point of an icebreaker is to get people comfortable with potential failure, with speaking out and speaking up, and even just talking and communicating with one another. So thinking about like icebreakers in a great, beautiful sense today, not in an awkward trust fall e I will catch you and you won't crack your head on the cement sort of gross way that we sometimes think about icebreakers. Open practice podcast, open practice podcast, open practice podcast, open practice podcast. I like it. We need, Matt, we need to sync that up. You have to make a, at least a little bit of a video with some glow sticks if you do that, at least just like an <laughs> intro video of like sitting with a glow stick by a light That's switch. A fair point. Glow stick, <laughs> dancing, a DJ. Anyway, all right. Well, if you, hey, you just heard the intro. This is how we roll. Welcome back. Another episode. I'm Jerry, my illustrious co-host over here. And I'm Matt. Matt Takani, Agile Coach with the Open Innovation Labs at Red Hat. Boom. Also Open Innovation Labs on this side, uh, Engagement Lead and Product Manager. Um, and we're going to get into some more OPL stuff today. More practices coming with you. And this is kind of an interesting topic because there's a lot to unpack in this one and there's a lot of variety. So I think it's going to be really fun to talk about some of our favorite things. But before we get into the topic, who do we have on? to chat with us today, Matt. We have Jen Brown, and I am super excited to chat with her again. I attended one of her workshops a couple of years back, uh, and it was uh, so impactful that one, I applied the workshop and other things that I've done, and it still sticks with me as such a fun thing to do, like emerging between uh, improv and uh, like what you can do inside of workshops to get people kind of talking and feeling more comfortable with one another. Uh, but I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna like dive too too deep into that. Um, I will let Jen introduce herself, her role, just a very quick brief bio. What have you been doing? Welcome. Ooh. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm like that was a big I that was still a big intro in the like. Don't disappoint, Jen. Just kidding. Um, my name is Jen Brown. I run for the past decade the Engaging Educator, which helps people communicate better, use storytelling skills, whether they're doing a presentation, whether they are doing their impromptu communication, storytelling, the whole nine yards. And it's been it's been a thing, I would say, especially now in this like. I don't want to call it completely the post-apocalyptic times because it might just be straight up apocalyptic times that people are really zeroing in on their communication and realizing that this is a skill that we have not spent enough time developing. So I go in and help people one-on-one, -on -one, large groups, small groups, public classes, all of those great things to really center themselves in their own communication and not like a robot, more so like the best version of themselves. That's good. We don't want to be robots in these trying times. Some people do. And it's really like, I say this completely honest. They're like, I just need to be fixed and I just need to do things right. And I'm always like, what is right? And I think it's that control issue that people have of like, I need to do it in this perfect same way. And I'm like, unless you are com 
communicating constantly with robots, you can't do it in one way because humans are weird. So we need all these different facets. I was gonna say humans are weird and humans evolve. And as we evolve each individually, we actually need to change the way we communicate with everybody because that is also changing. Good point. Yeah. And, and when we say humans are weird, obviously we mean people outside of the three of us because we're not included in that. Oh, I'm so weird. But. It's fine. You guys <laughs> cannot be included in it. But I always like when I tell people you can't change how someone else communicates with you, you can only change how you respond to that person. I mean that even with me because I can be a mess in communication too. You two can be cool still. I'll, I'll own the weirdness. Of the okay. Day. That's good. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody on this planet would say that Matt and I are cool. I think we are also dubbed as weird. But, you know, we are. Sure no we one are. says we're normal. Yeah, just because we communicate via carrier pigeon. That's not weird, right? <laughs> you can't you can't change how I'm going to communicate. Matt can change how he responds. As but he responds as, with carrier pigeon. So. As long as the pigeon is being paid a good wage, or at least in snacks, then you do you. It's all we good. Are. <laughs> so Jerry's embodying a carrier pigeon today, which is awesome. I am wondering, Jen, what kind of spirit animal are you embodying? And like, why are you, how are you feeling that, that animal right now? Every day, all day, since I thought of this question many moons ago, I am 100% a flamingo. Like color changing, like <laughs> weird. You look at it and you're like a little interesting like when I did pink in my hair I was like I'm finally becoming my full self right now either gem in the holograms or a flamingo since you asked animal I will say flamingo 100% St standing on one leg eating salmon all day legit I turned my ankle hiking last week and so I have a brace on one of my ankles right now so oh, no. I kind of am like standing on one leg wherever I go because I can't put weight on it so oh. i am truly a flamingo in this moment you really are the you need full to embodiment i found my <laughs> flock i think maybe and then yeah salmon and shrimp i'm like totally cool with both of those all good that's a strong <laughs> analogy that holds up i like it i like it all right but we're not here to just talk about flamingos although i'm sure it'll come up again in the future um but jen you are passionate and experienced about a certain kind of practice that we uh, have on the Open Practice Library, but why don't you introduce the topic and why do you think um, it's important? Yeah, so when Matt asked me to come on the show and talking about icebreakers, I was really excited because I have a lot of feels on icebreakers. I think Many of you listening might hear the word icebreaker and say, or slowly die inside. And I too feel that way very often. But if you think of the point of an icebreaker, the point of an icebreaker is to get people comfortable with potential failure, with speaking out and speaking up, and even just talking and communicating with one another. So thinking about like icebreakers in a great beautiful sense today, not in an awkward trust fall e. I will catch you and you won't crack your head on the cement sort of gross way that we sometimes think about icebreakers. Which I think we've all experienced those awkward ones. There's so many out there and you really do have to be careful about picking the right one for 
a specific group because I've I've been in ones where like they kind of fell a little flat and there's a lot of reasons why I can do that. But there's also some really great ones out there too. Do you have specific ones that you either tend to gravitate to or go into that you say like, I would love to do this one again or which ones have you seen be really successful? Yes, I think to your point, you really need to think about your audience and what you're looking to accomplish with them. For me, I have one tried and true one. And Matt and I were talking in the beginning before we started recording that I actually did not pick the one that he really liked, which is which is funny. He doesn't know what I picked until this moment. And for me, I look for icebreakers that have success built into them. So I want the people doing it to feel a little silly a little bit like, ooh, I did this either right or wrong, and it really doesn't matter because there wasn't a perfect way to do it. So mm -hmm. I have one called Last Word, actually, that I could do with y'all right now if you wanted to. Oh, I like it. Excellent. Okay, think, yeah. so Jerry- Give us give us the steps and we can, we can go through. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm so ready. Jerry, say literally any sentence at all. I'm assuming you don't want me to say any sentence at all. You can if you want to. It's up okay. to you if you want to be smart. The rhinoceros <laughs> shoes flew over the moon's back. Fantastic. And now, Matt, you're going to take the last word of his sentence and make it the first word of your sentence. Literally any other sentence. The point is just taking the last word of his sentence as the first word of yours. Ah, so back and forth, back and forth, the ball goes. Go ahead, Jerry. Goes is an interesting word because it starts with G and ends with O's. <laughs> O's nose. I don't know where this can actually end. Awesome. I'm going to pause you both and say, nice work. So that's how you get this started. Super simple. You are just taking the last word as the first word. After your group does this for a little bit, you can alter it. You can scaffold it. You can say, use the last letter of the last word as the first letter of your response. You can also say, stay on topic, stay on rhinoceros, stay on backpacks, stay on O's, whatever that is. So it has to revolve around the topic. And I don't, I don't know if you're going to ask me this, but I'm going to tell you why I like this is it like makes people start to listen to one another. Because so often when you are getting in a new group or starting a big group activity, people are like nervous in all these different ways. But this activity really grounds your listening in the sense it lets someone finish their whole sentence before anyone can formulate a response. I like, oh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. That's really really cool i love the listening aspects as you're kind of going through it are there are there any kind of pitfalls that you've encountered so like um maybe even in our example mine mine would be a common question of going are there any other guardrails <laughs> exactly so people want that safety net so often and the point of it is also to have them reflect on how they felt during the activity. Much like the one that you really like with failure, people create rules for themselves that don't exist. You could have made something plural. You could have added an ING to anything. I never said you had to be exactly. I said you have to use the last word as your first word. You could use a conjunction of it or however you want to change it. And I think that's a huge pitfall also, if you're working with a group that's like uber serious, you might want to front load it and say, we're doing this activity to kind of prime our listening as opposed to just dive into the activity. 
y'all were game right away. So I'm like, I'm just going to dive in. And the sense of like doing it with a group that might be like, why are we doing this? We're going to sound like Yoda. What about grammar? What happened? There's truly no other guardrails for this. You just explain it as simple as possible because then you're getting all of these true benefits of icebreakers instead of the one that we all hate, which is make yourself look ridiculous in front of a large group. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's no dancing icebreaker. <laughs> I love uh, ice, ice break dancing. That needs to be the background music. Anytime we do this one again, Matt. But that, <laughs> that's fantastic. Any, like I tell people any way that you can zhuzh it up in your way or change it is awesome because you think about the point of it and you're just trying to get people talking. Sometimes when you have like a verbal heavy workshop or you're trying to get people to talk to one another, those first words, just breaking those out are the hardest words because they're like, oh, I don't want to sound dumb. Oh, I want to impress everyone. Oh, this, oh, that. And this is a way that it's like, you literally can say any sentence. Like I love nachos is a great sentence. It's, I love the, like you setting the tone. And even when you say like, you can judge it up as much as you want. Cause as facilitators, you know, no one is going to exceed your energy in the room. Like you're setting the stage. And if you want it to be energetic, you really got to come in energetic so that you kind of lift them up as much as they can. But I also like how you were talking about kind of tailoring each icebreaker to the group which is another like, I feel like that's a next level facilitator tip right there is any practice that you run, you got to read the room and know how, how much direction do they need? Or is this group comfortable to just jump right in, which is cool. And sometimes if you work with a group for a long period of time, you can build that up as you go. But I wanted to ask you, Jen, because you mentioned a couple of things. And I feel like for me, icebreakers, specific kinds of icebreakers solve specific kinds of problems for groups. And I think you mentioned things like, you know, there's a problem around getting a team comfortable with failure or getting a team to practice listening to one another. If you see that as a problem, you can pull out an icebreaker that starts to kind of train them on that. What other problems do you think are, are could other icebreakers solve that you've seen in a, in a group before? I think sometimes it's the, the problem of we work with these people and I don't want to tell them all this information or behave in a certain way around these people. And I say that because we all have our different selves, right? Like who we are at work, who we are at home with our friends. So I see that as like a pretty big problem in a lot of groups that I work with. So in that sense, when you're, when you're looking at what the problem is, sometimes you have moments to kind of diagnose the group. Oftentimes, like I even tell facilitators when I'm doing a train the trainer, the lowest hanging fruit is often the best fruit in this one. Because you think about what you're doing, if you get too deep into like, ooh, what could their problem be? You end up overthinking it. And that's the last thing the facilitator needs to be doing because you don't want your group to overthink. You want your group to be engaged and present. So I think that's another problem is like them not being present. And this activity is one of those like, you have to pay attention. You can't be over here on your phone or checking your email or things like that. And I like that aspect a lot. When, when working with new groups and such, you don't always know the kinds of people or even the dynamics uh, when those people get together. So it's kind of interesting that you have to be very light on your feet 
and going with the path of the lowest hanging fruit allows you to say, ah, I'm going to grab that commonality, at least here, and then I'll build upon it because I'm going to learn as we at least do this one. And it kind of also can set that tone, not just energy style, but also with like the way that you want to think. So when, when entering into various workshops, certain icebreakers can make you think in certain ways. Mm -hmm. um, Jerry was talking about failure, practice listening. If we're going to enter into one that needs like creativity, you might take an icebreaker that lends itself to enhancing uh, the elasticity of your brain and thinking in that way. And you think about like scaffolding activities too. You want to start in a place that like hits everyone where they're at. And then you as a facilitator can walk around like you see groups getting really tense in something. You're like, oh, okay, I might need to like usher them into the idea of getting things right or not getting things right. If you see groups laughing crazily during their icebreakers, you can be like, oh, I can have fun with this group right now because they're not taking themselves too seriously. So it's a really good way, I think, for facilitators to pick an icebreaker that allows them to kind of spy on their group and walk around or in this virtual world, bop around to breakout rooms, things like that, to see how things are going. Yeah, it's such a great way to tease out some of the culture that exists within a team. Um, how comfortable are people, you know, uh, you know, being real in front of other people? And one of the one of the things that I love to do with an icebreaker is use it to to understand people more. It's actually one of the ones I loved about the spirit animal one, is because it's kind of fun. Like, what kind of animal are you? That's kind of like on the surface, it's kind of cutesy. But there's so much like people explain why that's their spirit animal and you get such a better understanding of what their mentality is right now coming into this group that you can then keep in mind when you're facilitating about how to draw certain people out or what practices to run with the team, which is really cool. Um, and that understanding, I think when you get a group of people that understands one another, that's like the building blocks of trust that you need within a team. If you can see people for who they are and like more fully then you you respect them more. And then that translates to trust, which really ends up, I, I think, bringing the team together in a much better way. But we all know that standing in front of a team and facilitating stuff, not everything goes right. So I'm wondering, Jen, have you had experiences where running certain icebreakers maybe went sideways? Like, so what are some of the common pitfalls that you may see? I think the most common pitfall is the fact that people get so caught up in their head and in rules and like Matt was saying, guardrails. And they, I don't want to say self-combust, but you can see them getting frustrated. And frustration is not a feeling you want associated with anything. I think like when you're working with a group, like frustration, shame, things like that, worst emotions to tap. So I think when, when I see that happening, I very gently recorrect and sort of put them the right way and saying like think about why you're feeling like this like think about why you needed a rule and how does that connect with your everyday life like do you need more guidance or more rules there's nothing wrong with that it's all about self-awareness so when you're like guiding people back from that place of frustration or those negative emotions that might come up during an icebreaker how can you ground it in what you're talking about and what you're doing today? And how can you ground it in a lesson that doesn't lead to more shame? So I find like self-awareness is generally the best place to ground feelings like that. 
Do you find that you default to fewer rules in the beginning and then kind of like build up as you go? I do 100% because I that helps me understand the group personally. If they need a lot of safety, guidance, things like that, then I want to have them feel slightly off kilter. Like not bad off kilter where they're like, oh, I'm going to fall and no one's going to catch me. But like, ooh, this is something that's actually going to challenge me. And I can't just phone this in. So I, I tend to, even just with difficulty, scaffold activities, like the hardest one is somewhere near the end. It's not the last one because I want them to leave with a sense of success. It is, it definitely gets harder as we go. That is very cool. How, so in in the typical icebreaker, because they will vary in length, how compact do you look to try and create the icebreaker aspects of the workshops that you have actually been in? Thinking about time compact or like, hey, we've time compact. This time compact. Yeah, I am not afraid to spend money. Spend money. I guess that it's true. Spend <laughs> time money is money. Time is money, right? <laughs> so I'm not afraid to spend time money on on icebreakers. Like I think that if you see them for what they are supposed to be. And this circles back to what I was saying in the beginning. An icebreaker is not just this weird thing that's shoved in there so people feel awkward or weird or something like that. If you use an icebreaker to check out your audience, if you use an icebreaker to an end, a means to an end or a jumping off point, I'm not afraid to go 15 minutes with an icebreaker, 20 minutes, because I can get a lot out of that. Again, though, if it's something that I only have a short amount of time with the group, I might do it in five. Like, let's mm. let's tuck this real tight and make sure this happens. And we still get some of the things we're looking at, but it's all about like the time that I have with the group and how much push and pull they need. But I think when you ground it in an actual reason and it not just be there, like any activity, you can't have an activity there for activity's sake. Like it has to have a reason. And I see too many facilitators mm -hmm. that are like, oh, this I've seen this. Someone else did this and it was really good. And it's like, no, no. Why is it good for you? Like, why does this help yeah. you? And not so everything is as plug and play yes. as, uh, as, as that. Nothing is plug and play. I mean, you think then you look like a discount version of someone else. And it's like, you don't want to do that. Mm. Like discount Matt is not a good Matt. It's not. He's like 75% off. Big right? lots, big lots, Matt. No yeah, offense. Got like a broken arm and like, you know, not good. The man. lots is hanging off the end there. It's more like big lot. <laughs> S is just falling, <laughs> shaking in the wind. Yeah. Like uh, so I, I asked the the time question because one of the things that uh is easily modified is the time when working with like an icebreaker something that is uh, difficult in our existing world is kind of gaining the agreement particularly like workshop sponsors to invest that time and so i was wondering if you had a lot of tips on how you go about saying no 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 this is this is very helpful for you i ground everything in the bottom line and like, what, what are they getting out of it? I, I speak with objectives constantly. So if you think about how I work backwards when I'm like booking something, so to speak, I'm always like, what are you looking for? Like, I don't say a darn thing before they talk. 
and I see what their objectives, what their goals are. And then everything that I'm doing, whether it, I, I shouldn't say whether I was planning on doing it before we talked or it came to me while we were talking or doing a proposal or getting their commitment, I ground everything in their goals. So nine times out of 10, someone is going to say, I want them to work better together. I want more collaboration. I want listening. And you think of just that icebreaker that I gave that does all of that. So speaking to it, to the stakeholders, it's like we're going to do an activity that does X, Y, and Z, and we're going to spend some time letting it breathe so they can apply it in their everyday work life. So it's really about that grounding. And and even though my background is so much in improv and using improv to Mm. kind of help communication skills, I generally don't use that word because it scares people because they think they're going to like quack like a duck or tell jokes the whole time. And I'm like, that's my little secret word that I keep for myself until someone says, ooh, I took an improv class once and it felt like this. And I'm like, ooh, I've been discovered. <laughs> and, and it's fine then, you know, it's fine. But I, I generally keep that word out of my vernacular when I'm talking to stakeholders because it doesn't, I think long gone are the days of professional development in the sense where you're doing something fun, quote unquote. I think like the fun stuff is like going on a boat or going to a bar or going to a restaurant. And like, if you're not grounding your team building in professional development in some way, shape or form, you aren't going to get that buy-in because they need to know how it's helping the bottom line of the company a lot of times. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of that intentionality, uh, particularly in a virtual world. If you're not intentional about what you're trying to do, that buy-in instantly drops. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to drop even further if it's not, if, it, if there's no like solid reasoning. It's so funny you say that with intentionality, because I think that's the biggest thing I've been working with folks on. And people are like, what do you mean? What do I mean by this or what I'm trying to do? And I'm like, you have to think about your why. It doesn't matter if if you're like a facilitator like we are or if you're looking like you work at a company or you work in research. Like what is the reason? And that reason can make your work so much more valuable. And I think that's something that we have not spent a lot of time on, but I think we're starting or the past 18 months we definitely have because we're like, well, why do I have to go to this meeting? Why do I have to be in the office? So we're digging into intentionality, but not quite yet for ourselves. Yeah. And that that gets back to a lot of the conversation we were talking about with communication and how we communicate with another is, or one another is like, when do we actually need to communicate about things? And how do we do that in a way that provides value quickly? We don't need to always do the default one hour time for a meeting. You know, like sometimes there's ways that you can, you know, really bring something and be precise and and be intentional upfront about creating an agenda for something that is quickly executable and smoothly executable. But as a facilitator, it's such an important rule too. Like it's not just good to expose your team or your group that you're doing these icebreakers with to the power of intentionality and, and thinking of things in terms of why and value. But when you're coming up with that agenda in the first place, you really want to chain things together that are going to help you achieve those objectives that you were talking about. Like, what's my goal for this overall overall group? And how do I make sure that every decision I'm making with that team is helping them to achieve that? And honestly, when we're on, so like Matt and I will be on longer engagements sometimes with teams that can go anywhere from like, you know, six weeks to multiple months. 
And a lot of times we will just intentionally do icebreakers on a rhythm in order to solve a problem for the team, which is like, if you see something happening with a team, you can pick out an icebreaker that helps to solve that. And sometimes that problem is just getting energy up. Like, you know what, we've been heads down on this, like really hard work for hours. Let's just step back and like step away from work, have some fun, do something that is energetic so that when we step back into it, we feel refreshed and our work is better for that. But that's some of that why that you need to understand when you're forming some of this stuff, right? And that's so strong. Like what you just mentioned, like your intention is to have fun. Like this is where I get in arguments with people about intention. They're like, well, if I'm just talking to my friend, I don't have an intention. And I'm like, no, you do. You want to spend time with your friend. So like to have fun and to get energy up is an intention. Like the difference is if you understand it or not, or you're, or you're being intentional. Like if it just results in fun, fantastic. If you went in going, oh, we're just going to do this because whatever, then your results going to be all over the place. But what you just described is like, you're being intentional. We're doing this to break up this monotony. We're doing this to up our energy. So that like to verb, I guess, is that intention that needs to be described. And things are so much richer when you actually understand that. Yeah, I agree. And, and the timing of it is also important too. It's like, why are you doing this now? Sometimes an icebreaker can fall flat because you didn't time it right. And other times it would have been better served if you had done it, you know, maybe the following week or something or after a specific event, which is really important, which again, gets back to the intentionality. But when we think about running certain practices and icebreakers and like, you know, how, how you can build on them in order to provide that value or achieve those objectives that, that you were uh, talking about, like outlining in the beginning. Um, what are some popular things that you like to follow an icebreaker with in order to like build on it and, and produce that value? Yeah, I, I generally pull out one of the skills that came in that icebreaker because like we've been talking and clearly people can tell by now I'm very intentional, even though it looks I'm being like haphazard because I'm an improv person or like fly by the seat of my pants. I'm very like deliberate with what I do and what I don't do. So if I'm using, say, the icebreaker I described, I might follow that up with something that gets deeper in active listening or something that gets deeper in presence. So I'll take that skill, that baseline we did, and then I'll do something that's maybe harder, or I'll do something that digs into a different area of it. And I really, like, I keep saying scaffolding in that sense, because my background is so much in adult education and like informal education. And icebreakers to me are the same as something that we use in education called advanced organizers. And what that does is it helps you understand your group better. So it might be a diluted version of a topic that you are going to dig into, but it helps you understand that baseline. Where is everyone coming in? I'm pulling you all on the same level so I can assess you very quickly so I can see what the next step is. So that's kind of how I follow icebreakers. I will never follow icebreakers with a break, I will say, because I think that you're better no. off taking the break first and then coming back with an icebreaker to center again. But if you're doing an icebreaker and going on break, people are done already. Like you've wasted the the purpose of that icebreaker. Just send them on break. Let them let them pee. Let them have their bios break. Let me have their ham sandwich. And and then that way they can like be themselves when they come back and they're not needing something. 
Yeah, it's it, you're not going to fill up the balloon with all of that fun and excitement and energy only to have it deflate as a decompression during a break. Absolutely. Those those darn decompressing ham sandwiches. They'll take all the all the wind out of your sails. It's good sure. though. You need those. You need those decompressed moments. They just shouldn't follow an icebreaker. <laughs> so 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 very true. Um so I know originally we were talking about having two icebreakers and trying to talk about that. I didn't know if we could quickly run into another one just so that we can give two really cool icebreaker examples. Yeah, another one that I love is a pie check-in and it's less funny and more like thinky and feely. So pie stands for physical, intellectual, and emotional. And I have people just think about those like internally, think about your physical, intellectual, and emotional self. How you doing? What do you need? What do you want? And then discuss one of them, one piece of it with someone. So I might say, physically, I'm doing okay aside from my ankle and I need my ankle to feel better. So it's a nice way just to check in. So I'm curious how y'all are doing with your pies. I'm trying to think. Physically, I am exhausted, um, partly due to my fault, partly due to just uh, things I signed up for. I have gotten eight hours of sleep over the last two nights. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so that's, it's like when my eyes close, they sting a little bit. <laughs> my face but. right now. I wish people could see my, my face is like sleep. Don't let capitalism kill you. <laughs> yeah. Well, so when, I, when I said it was my fault, I, like one of them was, I really wanted to get in a long bike ride. And so um, I can't bike until my kids are asleep and I get everything ready for the next day. And then I get to go on my two hour bike ride. So like 1030 is coming around and I'm just like, all right, well, I just did a high intensity activity. I ain't falling asleep for a little bit because my body is going. Oh, so no. I now need to wind down for a little bit. Then I shower. It's like midnight, one o'clock at this point. <laughs> and then I wake up because I work at eight. Well, my kids actually wake up at seven. Oh my yeah, that's like physically and emotionally tiring. Right? So like you're <laughs> tapping into both. Jerry, how are you doing physically, emotionally, intellectually? So I found similar. I like uh, with I, I realized the, the the balance in all of those three has become very essential over the last 18 months. So and a lot of trial and error. So I get in my like workouts or run times earlier in the day so that I know by the time I'm sleeping, like there's no after effects of that. Like I'm ready. Um, intellectually, on a lot of my runs, like I listen to audiobooks and stuff and either for fiction and fun or like business to learn. And sometimes I just put on music so I can be like creative and thinking and then like jot down ideas as I go. So I feel like that's go, those two are going well. And then like emotionally, I think when physical and intellectual are doing well, emotional seems to fall in line also. And you're just kind of like in a better state when you feel like you're well balanced and being intentional about that balance between not only these three things in life, but also like how that relates to work and, and not always necessarily separating the two completely, but like knowing where to, where the blend is to be your full self in both, but then also keeping those health, healthy boundaries, I think kind of keeps me, keeps me in line on all three of those. Do you see how beautiful you both just did what you wanted with it and shared with what you wanted? And like Matt kind of echoed what I shared in the sense of physical, whether he did it intentionally or not, and you went through all three. 
that's why I like this icebreaker because you're causing a presence. You're saying, huh, how do I feel right now? There's an element of choice. I can share whatever I want. You as a facilitator can say, okay, let's make sure we take five minutes, both people share, or let's take two minutes, share one thing, or hey, do a full check-in. Everyone take five minutes. Halfway through, I'll tell you like, hey, switch to the other person. So there's a lot of flexibility as a facilitator in here. And it gives off a different sort of energy than, say, the first one, which is a little more silly and goofy. This Mm -hmm. is more self-awareness. And like, how am I coming into this moment right now? And you both illustrated that perfectly by doing completely different types of check-ins. Way to go, Matt. Not planned at all. Look at us. Truly, listeners don't think they didn't know what I was going to tell them to do. It was really just a beautiful example. (laughs) No, that was, I I love how that also, like that particular one, haven't done it before, but I loved, now that I think through what, what, how I felt when I was doing it, is it, it really made me step back and think and like really assess. And it put that question on my radar that I is staying with me already. Like mm-hmm. even after it was done, I don't just put it down. Now I'm thinking like, is there anything else I could have said or explored deeper? Or why did I think that as I was talking on the fly? It's really cool. It's really like and, introspective. And, yeah. And what you just said, like the fact that they go together, or what you said when you were reflecting, like it, they are in balance with one another. And if, if you're struggling in one area, you might not be struggling in another. A quick warning about this one, if you're working with people who are super stressed out, like I once had doing a 300 person workshop and we did this and I would say about a hundred people started crying. So I would just be like very mindful of the community you're going into because if people haven't thought about how they're doing and then they suddenly think about it, it's like, it's a little too much emotion that yeah, that was that was really cool. I re- definitely realized my pie is not full. <laughs> but because I am now like I took the step back and a bit aware, I now can do something about it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it, it's like uh, uh, my my partner and I, we check in uh, about weekly on, on an emotional state. Like, how are we doing? How How is our relationship? And it's always been. Uh, a really cool conversation because if you don't stop and do that reflection, uh, sometimes things could fester or anything like that. And it helped us make sure that we're on the same page. Like she'll say something and it'll be like, oh, I did not realize that by not unloading the dryer again and again or not getting my daughter in the morning all week was causing you stress. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like what you just described is like sharing that information and you think about applying that to a workplace and a true icebreaker creates a sense of vulnerability with the participants because you have to be able to be vulnerable when you're learning together because you might screw up, you might fail, something might happen, you might look silly. And if you're not willing to be at least a little vulnerable with the people you're learning with, it's not going to work. You're going to be aside from it or held back from it. And that's not saying like dump all your stuff on someone because I am very firm with like keep your stuff as your stuff, share what you need to share. But that little bit of vulnerability, even admitting Mm -hmm. like, hey, you know what? Like I need to sit down and read a book for my intellectual self because all I've been doing is doom scrolling. Like that is vulnerability there. (laughs) Doom scrolling. That's the first I've heard that and I love it. I knew what it was right when you said it. 
Uh, yep, exactly. Everyone, as soon as you say it, you're like, oh, that is a very illustrative term. That and I do do that. Read <laughs> 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 a book. <laughs> it's so interesting you talk about the power of vulnerability with some of these icebreakers because it's all, like, because certain personality types have a harder time with that. Like, I don't know if either of you know anything about Enneagram personality types. So good. Yeah. So like, um, basically, the, we'll put this in the show notes if anybody wants to go down this rabbit hole. It's really interesting. It's the, <laughs> it's it's probably the personality uh, like matrix that my wife and I use most often to talk about people. It, it again is not all encompassing. None of them are. There's like you need a blend of different ones to really understand people. But this one is is pretty good. But and essentially, there are like nine personality types, and you can take a test and find out what your number is. And your number defines a lot of things about who you are. But like eights and fives are a little less vulnerable because of like they have this armor up about not wanting to let people in. And that can come off in a work setting as like that person doesn't want to be close to anybody or they're a jerk or they're standoffish or they're controlling. When in reality, like if you take the time to invest in them and you get past that armor, they are extremely emotional and sensitive, which is really interesting. And sometimes you need to recognize that in a group when you're facilitating about what are the personalities I'm dealing with and who might take some work, some work over time and not call them out on the spot. Cause that can make it worse. But these like selecting these night, like these good icebreakers in order to like tease that journey along the way. So good. So good. And, and also like what you said for that is like making sure that you're allowing them choice. Like how much do they want to give in that moment? So someone that is an eight or a nine, if they don't want to like share their heart, they can be like, Oh, I just need more sleep. Look, you shared a physical sense and you shared something about yourself that maybe you didn't. And that's a safe, quote unquote, thing for you to share. Mm -hmm. So you, you've tapped into that. Like I've made success built into this icebreaker. Yeah. So we've been reflecting left and right. Reflections. And it has been <laughs> an amazing conversation. Uh, it's like, like too awesome of a conversation, but... I really want to get into like just overall reflections. Uh, we've we've definitely shared a lot of oh yeah that reminds me of and 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 reflected upon those. But throughout the conversation, uh, there's always kind of like some ahas or some things that we wanted to to really kind of point out and want to enter into reflections as well towards the end of our conversation. And so each one of us will will look to share what uh, our things our nice learnings were and. I'll get us kickstarted. I wrote some of mine down because I got super excited about it. Um, so I have two. One was a super new learning thing um, that I not really thought about the application of it. And the other was just like, oh man, I, I, I need, I like this quote's gonna stick with me. Just just like the, the failure activity did. Like you're just just full of gold nuggets of information and insights, Jen. And, and that was lowest hanging fruit can be the best fruit when it comes to icebreakers. Uh, it's applicability, it's usefulness, uh, and it gets people rolling. Uh, like, I, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You don't need to go deep. <laughs> you just need the start. Because once the stone is rolling, yeah. <laughs> rolling, 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 rolling. <laughs> and, and the other one that I was, uh, like, learning blown away was icebreakers as the scaffolding activity to set up folks and 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 it the the blow away part was 
instantly use it in your next activity. And don't put a break. Don't don't wait for it. Don't like tee it up, wait an hour and then bring it back. Instantly roll into that. And I was just like, hmm, going to intentionally do that next time I, I, I start running workshops. So. Yeah, I like that a lot. The, even even like the term scaffolding in that, I haven't heard it in that context, but that's such a powerful and like on point way to talk about how to build an agenda for something and how icebreakers fit into that. I, I love that too. Um, and for me, I love Jen, when you were talking about kind of like keeping your finger on the pulse of the of the group as they're carrying out icebreakers and knowing when to ask key questions or have key conversations about things that you observe so that you can better learn or help pull that person into the value that you're trying to, to produce. So really like being keen to watch how things are playing out and knowing like where to step in and have certain conversations in order to better the group. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I think for me, I really liked Jerry when you were talking about because I haven't dug too far. I've dug in for myself, but not for groups about like personality types. And I realized that like thinking about different personality types, people that want to share and don't want to share, I don't like it's a side effect. I just think, oh, like people are all different. But I don't think like, ooh, like this actually does build in success because people are all different and they want to be you know, like some of those eights and nines, they don't want to share things and you have to really carefully approach them. Otherwise they'll shut off for the rest of the time. So I think like that is actually probably going to make me even more intentional about choices that I make to get people using Matt's turn, like get the ball rolling as I'm like rolling my arm, like proud Mary over here and like rolling along. Keep on boining. Always. So if, uh, if people want to hear about additional awesome insights, how you're applying personality types to your icebreaker activities, how can people keep up with you? I am all over the place. My, my like stuffs are, are public again. So you can find me on Twitter. Um, I will say that it is harder to find me on Twitter than it is on my website because my maiden name is very long and it's Polish. So it doesn't sound how it's spelled. I would suggest going to jenbrown.co and it's J-E-N brown, like the color, .co. And that connects with like everything I do. So that's probably the best way to find me. But if you're on Twitter, I'm slightly snarky and always ridiculous. So that's probably a good place to get like unfiltered, Jen. Well, Matt and I will we'll do the work. We definitely are going to put your your website and your Twitter uh, in the show notes. We'll we'll go in and pull out your Twitter Twitter handle, but we'll put your website in there too. All right, Jen, this has been a blast. We loved having you on. I love your energy. Like I, I felt like we went really deep, quick on some stuff, which was really fun. So thanks for sharing your expertise and the knowledge that you have. And uh, we hope uh, in in the future maybe we can have you on again. Or if not, we are going to can. Try to convince everybody listening, listener, go check out Jen's website, jenbrown.co. Follow what she's doing. Follow her. Um, pretty awesome. Awesome. Yep. Thanks check for having out. me. Yeah. Check out some open practice library. And as always, everyone, stay open. Stay open. You stay open. <laughs> you stay open more. No, you stay open. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey you, high fives to you for listening to this episode of the Open Practice Podcast. That was awesome of you. And you should do it more often because who doesn't like more awesome stuff in their lives? It's awesome. If you like what you heard and you want to know more, feel free to head over to openpracticelibrary.com where you can find a wealth of activities and practices that you can run with your team in order to help get you from idea to delivery. And while you're there, why not upload your own stuff too? This is all about a community. We all need to share what's in our brains so that we can all get better at creating better ideas and turning those into better solutions for people. So contribute. We need it. If you want to keep up with us, you can also hit us up and follow us on Instagram at Open Practice Library. Thanks for listening and stay open.